The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Now, it's been a summer filled with tragic accidents, many of which saw young people lose their lives. And as family members and friends of these young people still come to terms with their loss, our reporter Eva Kern spoke to support groups, to Garthi, and to those who've lost loved ones in similar ways to find out how best to get through a sudden tragic bereavement. It's completely earth-shattering news, as you might imagine, uh, to lose your son in, in such a a sudden and violent collision and it really um, destroys every aspect of your being. I describe it as a grenade growing, going off within your whole body. Your whole world is shattered and then you've got to deal with you know, the, the loss of your child and an unexpected funeral but you're also thrown into dealing with the legal processes which follows. That's Donna Price. In 2006, she got a knock on the door, one which is every parent's worst nightmare. Her 18-year-old son Darren died in a road traffic collision while making his way to college in Athlone. Donna says when such a tragic loss happens as a parent, you often don't know where to turn and the legal process felt alien. Of course, we know nothing about that. We've been thrown into dealing with that process and there was no support available to me at the time of Darren's death. So following Darren's inquest in 2012, we set up the Irish Road Victims Association. And in uh, in the charity, we provide free bereavement counselling to families who are affected. And we assist them in dealing with those processes, with the guard investigation, with the coroner's inquest and all of that, which is completely alien to all of us. And it does help to have the peer support to speak to people who have been through it themselves and understand what it is that you're going through, because it is utterly devastating. Chief Superintendent Jane Humphreys from the Garda National Roads Policing Bureau explains their role when accidents like this happen. So first you will have the attendants at the scene and there will be a senior investigating officer who will will obviously do the investigation. And then in addition to that, you have got what we call forensic collision investigators who are specially trained to forensically ex- examine the scene and to, to come to a conclusion as to how the accident actually happened. And that's important because then it allows us then to put preemptive measures in so that future accidents do not happen. After the accident, obviously the family need to be informed, which is a very traumatic for the family and, and also for the guardian who, who go to the family. It's a dreadful experience for the family because to have someone taken from you unexpectedly and it's even more difficult, it's all difficult, but especially if they're they're of a very young age. And then you have the procedures that go on in the investigation. But to assist the family through that, we have what we call a flow, a family liaison officer, who's the point of contact for the family between the family and the senior investigating officer. So it gives the family one point of contact and they are there to explain the processes, how the investigation is proceeding, to update the family on the investigation, to talk them through the criminal justice procedures if if that's happening and and to signpost the family to other support agencies who are able to support them through this time. We are a caring nation, so please don't let that care stop when we get on a bicycle, when we are a pedestrian, when we are a driver. Let that care continue, not only for yourself, but everybody who is in that space with you. 
Sadly, in 2023, Ireland has experienced the highest number of road fatalities in six years. And according to Gardaí, one in five of those who died were young people. Almost three weeks ago, County Tipperary lost seven lives on its roads in the space of just three days. Seesaw, a centre in County Tipperary, opened to the public to offer support to those impacted. Its chairperson, Joe Leahy, spoke to News Talk's Sheila Nocton about how it supported locals. I think one of the things that we need to do is we need to be around each other, we need to have people there. You know, people who say to you, we do funerals very well, but I've often questioned that, you know. Yes, we do funerals well to a point, but if you look at a funeral, we'll say, if somebody happens to die, we'll say on a, a Tuesday, for example, they're buried by Friday, but everyone's gone back to work by Monday, and then there's nobody with, with the person that's bereaved. You know, so it's in the weeks and months thereafter then that people need the support as well. I feel that neighbours, you know, while well, they're great, we need to constantly call to people and we need to be there for people. Have you noticed any increase, I suppose, in people coming forward to want to use your service in the last number of weeks? Yes, we have indeed. While we've had some horrific incidents, you know, in the more than other parts of the country, they've had the very same. It just happened to be our turn this time. And I think when you're there, like, and when you see all the different organisations, you know, that in, attend, you know, say the scene of a fatal accident or, or a, a sudden uh, death, you know, a quick death in, in that regard, you know, you're going to have your 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 doctors, you're going to have your guards, you're going to have, you know, maybe the fi- the fire service, but you're all go- also going to have the priests or the religious orders. And I think that all of those and each and every one of them they all need support we open CISA house uh, you know for a lot uh, many more extra hours during the that uh, last two weeks and a lot of those people came in to us and they just came in they, they really wanted a safe place to sit down and to talk and they needed time to do that you know if you walk into a place you're not just going to open up people need to sit down relax have a cup of tea and then after 10 or 15 minutes well how are you doing and how is it getting and give them a chance to explain it and i think there's powerful organization like throughout the country in different towns and places you know and even on the phones that people can go to for support we would have had a, a, a big increase in people coming to the house from all all shades we had a lot of people now good few people who um arrived that it brought back memories of historical accidents fatal accidents to them and it rekindled the whole lot again. And we didn't expect it, but certainly they didn't expect it either. But it just did bring it all back again, you know. Several young Irish people exploring life abroad also lost their lives tragically or died suddenly over the summer months. Founded in 2016, the Kevin Bell Repatriation Trust helps families to bring their loved ones back to Ireland by helping with arrangements and providing financial assistance. The Trust repatriates around 20 to 25 people back to Ireland per month usually, but in July of this year alone, it repatriated almost 40 people. Colin Bell set up the Trust with his wife Ethna in memory of their son Kevin, who was killed in New York in 2013. Oh, Kevin was uh, one of seven children. He was a twin, one of, he was one of our second set of twins. And growing up, he was quiet enough, but when he reached the age of about 15 or 16, his personality grew. And, and then he had this fondness for travel. He went to himself and a few of his friends, went and spent a year in Australia, and while there did Bali and, and Thailand and all the rest. And came home and he, he still wasn't ready to settle, so he went out to New York. When he reached New York, he found somewhere that that suited his his personality and he was having the time of his life loving every minute and but had only been there for 10 months when 
unfortunately, uh, he was killed. I'm sure even when you tell that story, and I'm sure you've told that story plenty of times, it's still difficult. Like it is. It's, you know, as I say, he was a big big character. He was well-known, well-liked. And, and you know, we miss him every day, of course. Yeah. And at the time when it came to yourselves and the repatriation process, how difficult was it then? To be honest, at this stage, we have brought home almost 1,700 people and there was none ever as quick as Kevin's because Kevin was killed uh, around 3 o'clock on a, on a Sunday morning. His post-mortem took place on a Sunday afternoon. My wife's cousin, uh, Nasa Nigonal, she lived in Manhattan. She knew a lot of people and she went round to make sure that all the... Uh, Eyes were dotted and the T's crossed and Kevin's body was released on the Monday to the undertaker and he was on the plane on Tuesday night and he was home to us on Wednesday morning. Now, as I said, we've almost 1,700 people taken home and not not one was ever as quick. So you were very grateful for that, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Very important. And you mentioned his fondness for travelling and you were saying as well as some of your other kids, uh, you know, are living abroad and things like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Something that he loved and something that he really made fabulous memories doing. Oh, absolutely. And as I say, once he got to New York, he just thought he, he, he was in heaven. And unfortunately, accidents do happen. But uh, the world is there to be seen and a lot of young people feel it's a rite of passage to go spend a year in Australia and maybe get a second year out of it. And, and unfortunately, uh, yeah. wrong place, wrong time. And we didn't go, we, we, the first time we visited where Kevin was killed was a year after. Mm. We weren't ready to go before that. Everybody, all individuals are different and, and, and readiness is, is, will be unique to them. I'm sure it takes a long time to kind of process that and obviously you know in the work that you do you talk to families you know and I'm sure it's difficult even for you to talk to families in some ways because you know exactly what they're going through or is that an advantage in some ways that they're talking to someone that can empathize with them? Well I think it's important yeah I mean the families ring us and and they know that we've gone through the same and and you can't come out the far end you know it's it it takes a long time and, and life has changed, but now we're just glad that we're able to help other families. When you're hit with news like that, there, you're, what do you do or who do you go to? You know, uh, So, I mean, it, it is a big thing for us to be able to say when a family contacts us, look, leave it with us. You don't have to do anything else. We'll, we'll take over from here. You know, it's 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 not a, just a question of the fact that we actually do pay for the repatriation, but it's the fact that the family don't have anything else to do. You know, it's just wonderful for community. How important is the work that you do to yourself in terms of? Do you see it as a way of you being able to kind of continue and give back in a lot of ways as well? Well, as I say, it started off with the reaction in our hometown here in Newry when Kevin was killed and there was so much money raised. It wasn't our money. And this this is Kevin's legacy. It's done in his name. His his name is, is, is well known throughout the world now and uh, somewhere somebody's talking about him, so we're we're happy in that. 
In particular, it's been a very difficult year for the Leaving Cert class of 2023. Minister for Education Norma Foley has this message for those young people who might have been affected by bereavement in the past few months. Look, we're very conscious of the space that many students and many school communities have found themselves in. And um, in the first instance, I'd have to say, and I want to acknowledge the tremendous work on the ground by schools right across the country. All schools have what they call a critical incident response plan. And very fortunately, very few schools have to implement that. But when it is necessary to implement it, it is implemented. And we've seen that happen right across the summer where incidents have arisen and that plan has been activated. And best practice tells us that students you know, when a trauma hits the school community, students want to be in a place that they are familiar with. They want to be with people that they are familiar with also and a place that is to them a safe haven. And in many, many respects, for the vast, vast majority of students, school is just that. The, the next teams are supportive. They are mindful, I suppose, of the big decisions that the schools have to make and they walk the journey with them. And of course, we're also mindful that staff themselves, um, you know, have to be minded and cared for in in these situations. But I do do want to acknowledge that it is a very difficult road to travel and a very traumatic road to travel. But schools really, really, and I've seen it firsthand myself, this can occur at any point. So the response plan is in place but it's a different thing when you actually have to activate it so and we're very mindful that it can have an impact for a student at various times as those ongoing supports are there and that watchfulness if you like and um, that mentoring and minding of students continues right throughout the year and I'm very conscious for example we had instances this year where it would have been the class of 2023 who have actually now moved on from the school but the school would have opened up to welcome those students back and I always tell students that they should always remember when you were part of a school community at any point even when you leave you remain part of that community so the door of the school remains open to you come back these are people that you know these are people that were invested in you while you were educated in the school and we remain invested in you all of the people who spoke to me in the past few days have said the same thing grief is a very personal thing and it will take time to come to terms with your loss but there are people professionals and groups all across the country who can support you through the process Donna Price from the Irish Road Victims Association says they'll be waiting with open arms. Well, in the immediate aftermath, you you really are numbed and in shock for quite a lengthy period. Uh, we don't approach the families ourselves. We wait until the family, when the time is right for that family, they'll get in touch, they'll reach out for help. And then we're there to help them in any way that we can. Bereavement counselling is one of our services. We also have online support group services where people can join online Zoom meetings and contribute as little or as much as they wish. Um, But it does help, as I said, to have that listening ear to to speak to or listen to people who've been through it all before uh, and understand what it is that you're going through. If you've been affected by any of the issues raised in this report, you can contact Samaritans on 116123. And that's 116123 and that report from Aoife Kearns. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.